0: Hello, and welcome to The Roundtable, a Next Generation Politics podcast. Next Generation Politics is a cross-partisan nonprofit building a movement of young people committed to building bridges across various divides. I'm Juliana, and today, Olivia Becker, Rhea Mehta, Maggie Yu, and I speak with Alexander Mataras, editor-in-chief of the Next Generation Politics blog, about her recent article, Not Voting is Not Caring and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves, and engage in deep conversations about youth political participation, civic education, and lots more. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, my name is Alex Medeiros. I am a senior in high school in Mason, Ohio. I have been with Next Generation Politics since the summer of 2018. I started out as a blog contributor and then an editor, and I've been lucky enough to lead the blog as our editor in chief since this past summer. Um, and I joined really because I was passionate about writing about the world around me, and now I've been able to join with a bunch of amazing people and become involved in their political development and see what they have to say. So it's been a really great experience for me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a perfect segue to talk about
0: your blog, which was pretty moving. Um, Not voting is not caring and lies we tell ourselves. So do you want to elaborate on your piece and kind of what inspired you to write it?
1: Sure. So I usually don't have very dramatic catalysts for my pieces, but actually this time I started writing this piece on my phone sitting in a Warren County Democrats meeting. I am a social Mm -hmm. media intern for my local Democratic Party here in Ohio. Um, If you've ever heard the word gerrymandering, they'd probably pull up a picture of my district. (laughs) Um, There are two counties in the first district of Ohio. There's Warren County where I live and Hamilton County. Warren County is heavily, heavily Republican and white and Hamilton County is anything but that. So of course they joined them so that Warren County will always have higher voting power over Hamilton County in the first district of Ohio. So I am a member of the democratic party and working for the democratic party in not exactly a very democratic county (laughs) in Ohio. So I was sitting in this meeting and as per usual, the room is filled usually with generally much older people Um, much more moderate than myself and much whiter than I think a lot of the young people are in my county um, as a demographic and I, I still love my job I love what I do and I like that I'm kind of bridging the gap between the party and young people through social media but it became frustrating to me because I was sitting in like the third meeting of the fall And I was just so frustrated because I did not see anyone around me that seemed like they knew me, looked like me, identified like me. And it happened to be a meeting to which I invited two of my friends. And I'll go no further than their first names, but their names are Raghav and John, and they are juniors at my school. And they're both, you know, young guys, typical teenagers, whatever. They just want to get involved. They want to do their part. And I just remember looking back at them and they just seemed so uncomfortable, Um, especially Raghav because I'm pretty sure no one else in the room was not white. And so it was really, honestly, interesting to see what it was like to bring young people and my friends who were just trying to, you know, become an important part of their community in this environment. And so I started writing this specific piece on my phone because of that frustration because I came to the realization that it's completely natural to feel pretty uncomfortable with the political establishment or to feel very separate from it as young people, especially as people who maybe didn't grow up around, you know, your traditional Americana part of, of, you know, institutions. So that's how this piece kind of came about. Um, I wrote the introduction and the conclusion actually in that meeting and then um, I managed to finish it over, over this past winter break and it honestly just stems from that experience of you know not just being the intern there and trying to you know take notes and be be you know studious and learn about the establishment We're really connecting my personal experience and my friends experiences to the people that are in the room and i could really tell um that my views on on young people and why we sometimes don't participate or feel alienated had really shifted um since i started working with the party in in august
0: i think that's something that really struck me beyond your kind of dumbfoundedness at the state of affairs um, that you experienced and the inequities where you live is your last paragraph, which I think was so powerful, but is also brings up a really good question for our generation, and I think for the American population more broadly, which is what makes something political? Because in your last paragraph, you talk about you know simply letting your body and mind have a break from the exhausting world in and of itself as political, what constitutes like something being political?
1: Um, Well, I think I'm I'm definitely one of those people who's come to know and understand that everything is political. I think that it's not, I think it's disingenuous to think that you could ever separate yourself from the politics of what's going on around you. And the reason I included that at the end is because And this doesn't necessarily apply to me because I experienced many privileges in my life. But people that are always expected to stand up and be politically active, people that are um, very visibly going through um, tough times or or being oppressed, like those people are expected to always stand up for themselves in their communities to be a voice, quote unquote, for the voiceless or whatever. So, especially people who are um, politicized are expected to always be. involved in sharing their energy. And so taking a step back and saying, well, actually, no, I don't need to overextend myself. I need to have respect for my boundaries is political because you are acknowledging that your own agency and your energy is more important than meeting the needs of every single other person. Um, and that has a lot to do with um, understanding how your personal well-being and your mental health, um, ties into politics I think that mental health is extremely political Um, and there's a lot of things like uh, that aren't really addressed in political organizing and in party establishments um, that the way you feel about yourself and the people around you is how you view the world politically and if you're constantly tired and overextending yourself um, and you have a negative view of yourself and, and those around you because of how frustrated you feel that translates into being strained in your politics, not having the energy to devote, being burnt out. So, I mean, that's just my opinion, honestly, on what it means to be political. Um, I think you could debate the the strength, I guess, <laughs> of how politicized some things are, but to an extent, I think it's it's important to view almost all things through that lens. Yeah, I think that's a really
0: powerful way to look at it because whether we like it or not. And I think you bring up the fact that we don't really have a choice in a lot of these matters. They were put upon us by the older generation. Politics manifests in every way, shape and form in our lives. And I think that a misconception amongst young people, especially in more urban and developed areas, is like things that are political are only when you post on your Instagram with a hashtag that's trending or you go to a march or you read an article that's an op-ed for Trump, against Trump, you know, yay impeachment, nay impeachment. I think the reality is politics impacts policy and policy impacts our lives. And I really liked how your article acknowledged that and also kind of said, here's what you can do at the same time. That isn't the stereotypical path of the op-ed or the protest, because at the end of the day, that's only a minute
1: part of the pie chart that makes up the political realm that we exist in. Sure. I mean, I definitely agree with that. And what I didn't address in this piece, which I think is important, is when people do consider when young people we do consider ourselves involved and we consider ourselves ourselves political. Um, to be honest with you, and especially in the environment and like your good old suburban high school where I've been for the past few years, the trademark of activism, quote unquote, is social media activism. And there's Usually, little to no material basis behind that, and I, I honestly see that as a self-criticism because that's honestly what I did for many, many years, um, and it's also a marker of privilege because if your community is not being directly affected by, you know, policy and by people in bad faith, then you don't really have an incentive to go out and do things that are more directly material, like go and exchange goods with other people in a way that's like actually beneficial to the community or go and like fix up some infrastructure or whatever. Those those are political, political acts, but they're motivated by a need. So, you know, we can look at the people who are actually getting involved. And I think I agree with you that, you know, that sort of social media activism takes over. Um, and I honestly just think that that comes from a place of, of frustration, but also privilege. You know, when you're main political concern is whether the whether congress in dc is going to you know send out articles of impeachment then you're not experiencing food insecurity at home you're not experiencing um you know poor infrastructure or poor health outcomes in your community because of bad policy or bad politics and you know obviously it's not your fault where you were born or how you're experiencing your life but you have to acknowledge you know There are things I could do that are beyond this. And I just started to do that because, you know, that's the place in my life where I was. So I think that's something that I think this piece could expand on. And maybe we could even, you know, um, work a little more on writing a different one. There are different levels of, quote unquote, getting involved. And we have to acknowledge, in my opinion, and this is something I write about in the piece, that things like social media activism or even casting a ballot, even voting, are not the most material and direct ways to get things done in your community. Um, it, it's what some people would call you know, signaling or kind of showing off, making yourself the center of your political activism. Um, not to say that you shouldn't speak from your own voice, but it, it, it does something I think to step back from that and to consider your political actions, what actually comes out of the way you spend your time and energy and not just what comes out onto social media. Because I think to a certain extent, the ideas of raising awareness or, you know, tagging people or hashtags or whatever, as you mentioned, um, at some point, everybody knows and you're not spreading awareness anymore. You're spreading your own virtue and you're spreading how much you know about something. But then the outcome that comes from that is not actually helping the issue.
2: I have a hard time convincing a lot of my friends, whether even if they're politically informed or not, why it's important to vote, you know, because they're like, Honestly, your, your vote doesn't matter. You know, New Jersey's, it like in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter this or that. Um, and I don't know if that's a product of feeling overwhelmed by how much political news gets thrown at us every single day, um, or if it's a product of feeling unmotivated to do anything about it. But I think that's an issue that like a lot of states face that aren't like swing states or early states. And so, um, you know, I'd love to hear your take on that
1: yeah i mean i definitely think that that stuff def- that's the mindset that i was in when i first started for writing writing for NDP and i think that it's natural to react like that to a certain extent um but what i would say is i would trust the the culture and the opinions of the people around you more than i would dismiss them um, and this might be something you know uncomfortable to think about but to be honest with you no the way that the electoral system is built an individual vote in New Jersey won't necessarily impact um, national policy. Does that mean that you should not go to the ballot box? I think that's a personal choice. Um, I would honestly advocate it just because it is easier than a lot of things to do, but what we have to think about is why people feel unmotivated, um, why people feel like they don't matter, and where's the actual truth and the reality in their perception. I think there is definitely a very insightful truth in the fact that the way our electoral system is built, especially when it comes to favoring some geographical areas over the others, some states over the others, um, definitely some racial groups and some um, demographics over others, it is unfair and it is non-representative and it does lead to very, very slow and sometimes mismatched to the people. Um, decisions so the fact that people are alienated the fact that they do feel like their voice doesn't matter is valid so instead of saying instead of trying to convince them wait no no no, it does matter instead we can look at the system and say what has caused them to feel like this how can we either try to impact the electoral system and actually make your representative or and this is probably something that I'm looking more towards and I favor how can we get people to understand that politics is more than elections? It is way more than um, electing people to go represent you in a capital city. Um, how can we get people to understand that politics is material? Um, the way that you interact with people in your schools is the way that you donate money and where you donate money, where you volunteer, um, how you buy and how you sell things. that's political and you can make political decisions and you can impact policy at a local level um, in ways that don't require you to be of voting age, that don't require you to cast a ballot. So um, I think you're right. I think we are overwhelmed by how the media discusses politics, and that's mostly because the media is heavily obsessed with elections because it's very easy to get... um, People watching your show, if all you're doing is kind of, you know, doing horse race polls and getting people to see who's going to win, who's not going to win, it's easy to focus on people. It is much harder to focus on issues. And that's just how media works. So I do think people are overwhelmed because they see all this, all these candidates, they see the elections and then they're like, well... None of this is actually touching me, whether that's because their vote doesn't really matter as much because of the system or because they're, you know, privileged enough not to feel the effects of some of the detrimental policies that are coming out of Washington. So we have to kind of show them instead of saying, um, you know, no, no, it's fine. Like, I know you're tired. I know you think you don't matter. But like, you actually do matter. And here are the different ways that you can make little changes. We can say you can make big change um, in addition to voting or even instead of voting, if you think that that's going to be more beneficial. Um, And here are the ways that you can get involved. I'm not saying at all that electoralism has absolutely no validity because I think at a at a very local level it definitely has impacts. And that's how my perspective has changed because I definitely used to be exactly in your shoes. And now I just feel like we need to trust people and we need to trust their feelings because they know whether or not politics has impacted them. A majority of people, whether you know politicians like to believe it or not, have authority over their own lives and they can see what's happening and if they don't trust electoralism because they don't think it has an impact then you know we might need to trust that and say okay we understand there's something wrong here and maybe we need to change that and instead of you know focusing on that incremental part focus on making big changes, but in other ways.
0: Do you think civic education or some form of like a civic space curriculum should be mandatory? Do you think that will stigmatize the idea entirely and stop students from wanting to take that initiative on their own? How should education be a tool in encouraging students to be engaged but at the same time not making
1: it seem like it's a homework assignment, or should it be? In my opinion, I'm a little bit wary of using public education to to encourage civic engagement, just because the way that it's introduced depends very much on, you know, the state that a student is in, what kind of political ideology their teacher may have, what kind of ideology surrounds them. It's, it's hard to implement the type of thinking that it takes to just really take initiative in your community in a way that doesn't just come from experiencing it yourself. Um, And this is something that is a very valid critique of people who get involved in politics is um, people who are educated into it versus people who have lived it. Um, And I, you know, will unashamedly admit that I was not lived into the hard parts of politics. And it is a different type of knowledge of what it really takes to make change. And to a certain extent, there are things you can't teach and there are things that are going to be very difficult to implement on a a massive scale. I think people should know more about the system because I think a lot of people are unaware of how fundamentally flawed it is and how it was created flawed and how it's continued to be flawed. But I don't know if... At this time, we can trust any one curriculum or even any one government to really convey the way that people should get involved because that information isn't coming from the people that need the most help. You know, it's coming from the people that write the curriculum. And we don't really know who those people are. So maybe that's a little pessimist. I guess that would just be my concern that there would be no way to guarantee how it would be received.
2: I mean, I can speak from experience when um, we try to. Like we drafted a bill with our local assemblymen to get voting uh, registration drives mandatory in in high schools and um, the provision of civics information to some extent uh, implemented in New Jersey high schools and there was a lot of anxiety about simply it not passing due to Republican voting being or at least the perception was that certain Republican party members in you know state assembly and state legislature would be wary of having a wave of teenagers having more access to voting for you know the particular reason that they tend to vote democratic more than republican now um and i think like simply the fact that even just getting not even the civics information but just getting voter drives to be like mandatory in high school was something that you know is like wait 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 will this be politically working? Will this be politically resulting, you know, in something? And your point that there's a systemic flaw. Many, I think almost all teenagers are political to some extent, but not all teenagers are civic. It does make, I think, a very clear distinction between civics and politics. I think it is, again, like a personal initiative to blend those two together, but I don't think that that change would come
0: in the next few years. 47 states and the District of Columbia address civic education in state statute every state requires students to complete coursework in civics or social studies to graduate it just varies by state 37 states require students to demonstrate proficiency through assessment in civics or social studies every state includes civic learning or social studies so it's just like i feel like it is kind of manifesting or it does exist it's just what actually is the content how can we better actualize it and what are we defining as civic historicizing and adding context in many ways is political and should have a greater emphasis in the classroom. I'm taking a civics class like at my high school and it's only for juniors and seniors and there's a lot of like uproar about the way the class is being taught because a they most of the students taking the class find it to be like really really like like oversimplified in civics it's not really what we expected to be learning or the like how it was advertised because like our civics class is more like a politics class like we're talking about like the war or like the fear of like a war with iran and like impeachment proceedings but like nothing else like about like civic engagement with your community which is how it was advertised to us i think it's almost scary in a way how how education can be weaponized too and i think you make an excellent point there i think i'm i'm no stranger to that concept teachers using their curriculum as a way to promote their own agenda, which leans toward a specific party. In almost every case, you know, democratic left, you know, modern day leftist values. And so yes, it should exist. I think that having a basic understanding of how our system works, what it means to be a citizen is important. But I think to everyone's point, how it's actualized is of equal, if not more importance, because it could be used for, for malice, it could be used to indoctrinate students to teach them what to think instead of how to think. And I also think to Alex's point that it could, you know, show students a side of activism or engagement that they don't want to be a part of yet, or, you know, for some reason or another, don't feel a responsibility or desire
1: to engage in. I think honestly, like for me, there is a distinction between my concerns about how some curriculum like that would be implemented and what you guys are talking about. Um, You know, I'm taking a lot of like politics and economy oriented classes this year. My AP government teacher, very clearly a Democrat, um, but my comparative, or I'm sorry, my current global issues teacher and my AP economics teachers are both some some notoriously more right-leaning teachers. I have no concern about the political ideologies of my teachers because I think there's no way to, to separate a teacher from their life experience and from their politics my concern is that there is no disclaimer when it comes to opinion versus curriculum it is difficult sometimes to discern when people are explaining their opinion versus when they are trying to be as close to the facts as possible which you know objectivity, in my opinion, is a myth. You can't explain anything without contextualizing it from your own experience. So I really don't care if my teachers teach something politically. What I care about is if students can recognize that it's being taught politically. And I think that that's where the difference between civics and politics comes into place. You cannot separate them, but you have to be able to find distinctions. So if you're someone who comes into a Gov class and you have no real set of political beliefs and you sit down and your teacher is teaching from their life experience from their perspective you will be more likely to see those political issues through that light because you can't you cannot analyze the biases and the qualifications as they're happening because you you aren't expecting to need to but i think that's where civic education comes in where you come in with an understanding of everyone has political experiences and political beliefs and there's no way to separate that from objective facts, because you're always going to present things in a way that reflects your your life experience. So I'd rather teachers come out and say, hey, I'm a member of the Republican party. I, you know, hold quote unquote traditional family values. Um, I believe in X, Y, Z, and I will be teaching this class and you might hear opinions from me within the class that have to do with that. And I'm teaching for my life experience. I'd rather have that than someone who comes into the class and is teaching. Um, what they believe to be or proclaim to be pure fact and then no one in the class who hasn't had a civic education realizes that those opinions are not the only assessment of the issues our current um, government and civics education is less affirming of one political ideology over another and more confirming of um, stagnation as opposed to progress. And the reason I say that is because, you know, currently learning about American government and politics, comparative government, current global issues, all of that, there's only a certain amount of things you can put into curriculum. And when the American government creates the curriculum, it is going to be pro the American government. <laughs> there is no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And it you can be critical of material, but it's much, diffi- much more difficult to be critical of systems and see how they could be improved when they're being written about and portrayed through the eyes of the system itself.
0: My school had like its own little climate strike and the teachers were all instructed to not participate and not share their political beliefs. It was really funny to see like this rally of kids like screaming about climate change and like a line of teachers just like stone cold like not engaging with us at all and and I didn't know it was something all public schools were required to do. So I was doing some research and I found a Washington Post article that talks about a proposed, like a bill, like discourage teachers from discussing their personal political beliefs in the classroom. It would be more beneficial to learning if you were going to a classroom, knowing that like your teacher was giving a semi-biased or like opinionated version of like their curriculum based on like their own experiences. But I don't know if all schools are okay with that. In like the Trump administration, like teaching, like, getting political in the classroom is becoming, like, detrimental to students because people are in such strong opposition to him. Even, I know for high school students, it's harder to persuade them to think a certain way, but, like, the younger you are, like, the more impressionable you are. So, like, having your teachers be, get so political and get so opinionated, like, it could inform your own opinions before you're able to do that yourself, like. I think when disclaimers aren't enough is when a teacher's use of their own opinion and their own ideology actually hinders civil discourse from happening in a classroom when it makes students feel like they can't actually express
1: their own opinion and it's i think it's all about proximity to people's lives um if i think about the issues that are most relevant to young people in warren county it's you know the the high suicide rate in our high schools the extreme levels of um, problems with mental health and stress Um, The fact that two Planned Parenthoods in Cincinnati closed due to lack of federal funding and that is leaving a lot of people without, you know, affordable access to, to birth control and contraception, you know, and those meetings, not to be critical of my own employer, are not exactly always on those topics, you know, they're about a community that these people have built over a very long time, they worked very hard to maintain the institution Um, But like I said, it takes a lot of hard work to maintain the institution, which means it takes a lot of hard work to reform the institution. So there are things that I would like to see. Um, I would like to see much more work on the ground when it comes to donating to places that are actually relevant and helping people in our community, which we do. Um, I'd love to see more connections with young people. I'd love to see people's individual stories being told more. At another level, I know that if I did take this on, or if myself and other young people took this on, it would take a lot of energy and it would take so much of our time to reform. And so then I think, why would I spend a majority of my energy reforming a system that's not working for me when I could work outside of it, when I could do these things personally in my own life that help the people around me? Um, So I think to answer your question, I don't think you necessarily have to, it all depends on your perspective if you are willing to work within that system because that's where you're comfortable and you know that's what you know you know that's that's your life experience but someone else might say you know i don't have the energy to change something that has never worked for me maybe i need to do something else maybe i need to create something else for myself and for other people like me maybe i need to work outside of the system do something more local do something more connected to my own life So I guess I would flip that question on its head and say, you know, what other things could you do other than reform? But I think we do need to start turning to other places as well. I don't think it's a bad thing that people are disinvesting. I think it's a good thing as long as they're reinvesting in things that matter outside of that. So do things as they come along. That's all for today with Next Gen Politics. Special thanks to our editor, Clara Medina, our producer, Sanda Balaban, and to Jeremiah Hunt for our opening and closing music. Please check out our website at www.nextgenpolitics.org for links related to what we've discussed and to find out more about our work. And please recommend us to your civic-minded friends, or to your friends you'd like to become more civic-minded. This is Maggie Yu for Next Gen Politics.